Well, hello, everyone, and thanks for listening today. I hope your day is going well so far, and if it isn't, well, I just pray that it gets better for you or that you can at least hold on to the truth that we find in Romans 8.28, that God is using whatever you're going through for your good. I know it might not feel good right now, but trust it, whatever it is, trust it to the hands of the God who can create things out of nothing. He has you, and he is with you. Well, today we are in the book of Acts. Um, I've battled with a question for a very long time, and I think Acts really gives us the answer to that question. And the question is, what is the church really supposed to be like? Like, the way we do church, is it the right way? Is it the best way? Well, in searching for that answer, I ran across Acts, and I think it shows us exactly how the church is supposed to be, but I think it also shows us how we should be as believers. Let me pray, and we'll jump right into today's episode. Father Jesus, Holy Spirit, open our hearts to you today. Open our eyes and our ears and our minds. I pray that we would hear you today fresh, that you would show us things we never saw before, and that you would bless us with an awareness of the reality of your presence, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we'll jump straight into the scripture. Um, we're in Acts chapter 2 today, starting at verse 42, and I'm going to read all the way through 47. This is what it says. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is literally the early church, right? So um, this is how they operated. This is how they lived, and people were getting saved every day, which is awesome. Just, Yeah. Um, I would love to say that about our church, that every day, um, even every weekend that people were getting saved. Um, uh, but I want to pose this question. Why is it important for us to think about the early church and compare ourselves and our church to it? Well, I think there's there's two important reasons. Number one, it's the biblical example. And, you know, when the Bible gives us something, we should, we should follow it. We should um, think through it. We should uh, challenge ourselves with it. Um, and then number two, I think if we look too different than the early church, we're probably missing something and need to change. But before we get into the meat of what I want to talk about, I want to give a disclaimer. All right. So here's the disclaimer. They weren't socialists. And I know that sounds weird, but let me let me explain. Um, as we read in verses 44 and 45, it says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, this doesn't mean that they sold all of their stuff and threw it into a big pool and bought a compound where everyone was equal and equitable. That's, that's not what happened. Um, uh, a better understanding of this is simply that they were generous with what God gave them, especially to the believers they knew, and especially to the believers they knew that were in need. Um, we know from other accounts all through the New Testament that churches met in homes. The church was more of a network of small home churches because Christianity was new and not really welcomed, um, especially by the Jewish religion and culture they were surrounded by, right? So um, don't misinterpret this passage as an argument for socialism. A lot of people have, but that's not what it is. But do follow their example of being generous. 
We have so much more than we need, especially in America. We have so much more than we need. Sell some stuff and be generous or stop spending so much and instead be generous. Set yourself up to be of help when the need arises instead of being so undisciplined in your spending that you can't afford to bless someone that is in need. Okay, so not socialist. Do be generous. Great. There's a disclaimer. Now that we've cleared that up, let's get into the meat. Um, Acts 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. That is a very specific and very simple list that we are going to break down in a minute. Now, it's not an exhaustive list, but it is a good list. And again, we are going to break that down here in a minute. First, a preface. Um, I recently Googled the question, how do I know I'm a Christian? How do I know I'm a Christian? And I'm sure you can guess that the answers varied a lot. There's lots of ways we think Christians should look and should act. Um, and I think maybe even more accurately, accurately, there's lots of ways we think Christians shouldn't look and shouldn't act. Um, let's go through the, the quick, quick list of uh, how Christians shouldn't look and act. Christians shouldn't drink alcohol. All right. Now, if you know me, I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, Christians shouldn't cuss. Again, if you know me, <laughs> I don't agree with that. Um, but those are two at the very, very top of things that like society or even church culture says, like, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't drink and you shouldn't cuss. Um, what about this one? Christians shouldn't be rich or at least show that they're rich with nice cars and nice houses and clothes and really nice vacations. Like, be humble, right? Yeah. Um, this has always been a big one. Christians shouldn't have tattoos, right? Well, the Bible says that you shouldn't have tattoos, so tattoos are sin and you're going to hell and all this other stuff. I think that's going to count a lot of us out, right? Here's another one. Um, Christians shouldn't judge others, right? We, we see that in the Bible, don't we? Well, it's true to a degree, uh, but it's not true in the way we typically mean it. And, you know, the, the list could go on. Christians shouldn't fill in the blank. There's lots of ways Christians should and shouldn't be. Uh, but what we're really asking, what the bigger question is, or should be, in my mind, is what does it practically look like to follow Jesus? I think that's really the crux of the question. And good news, Acts just gave us a list, right? Just gave us a list. So we're going to go through that list and break down each one. Um, Acts 2.42, all the believers, number one, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So to make this simple, they were just disciplined in doing what the Bible says. The Bible, specifically the New Testament, is really just a collection of the apostles' teachings. When Jesus told the disciples, you know, soon to be the apostles, uh, in Matthew chapter 28, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. The whole teaching them to obey all I have commanded you part is what we get to read today in the New Testament. Um, it's the apostles' teachings. In addition to that, in addition to that, in addition to what we have in the New Testament, um, the believers still went to temple, right? In verse 46, they went to temple every day because they knew as Jesus modeled for them, and as Paul tells us, that the Old Testament scriptures were still important, right? All scriptures God breathed, right? Um, it was still important. So the believers were devoted to the scriptures, um, to the apostles' teaching, but the Old Testament scriptures as well. 
They were disciplined and didn't see them as simply beneficial, but as something so important as to devote themselves to it. Devotion is a big idea. It's a big word. You know, they learned from them and they continued to be open to being taught by them. They devoted themselves to them. People who follow Jesus should be devoted to reading, knowing, and being taught by the scriptures. Discipline yourself. Devote yourself to the scriptures. Number two, they devoted themselves to fellowship. One of our core values of the church is all people need people. And it's based around this principle, right? Fellowship is important. Um, God's people grow most when in community with each other. It's the whole principle of iron sharpening iron. Um, Jesus was in community with his followers and his disciples knew that Jesus, again, was modeling something important that needed to be taught and duplicated. The writer of Hebrews even warns us not to stop meeting together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He says, like, hey, fellowship is important. Get together regularly. How else are you going to encourage each other? Like, how are you going to do it if you're not meeting together regularly? And this is why we're so sold out for life groups, because outside of regular fellowship, we we drift and we become dull. Um, we're not sharp. Um, we don't sharpen each other. Um, be like Jesus. Be like the disciples in the early church. Don't forego fellowship. It's important. Get in a life group. New semester starting uh, here really, really soon. I think it's September. Um, so don't miss it. Don't miss it. Fellowship is important. Number three. They devoted themselves to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. So the Lord's Supper is communion. Um, you might be asking yourself, well, Matt, if communion's so important, because it is, then why do we only do it once a month? Well, it's a really, really good question, but I want to answer it with another question, right? If it's so important, again, it is so important, why aren't you doing it at your house with your family on a regular basis, with your kids? Why aren't you doing it with your life group every week? The point I'm trying to make here is simply this. Acts doesn't give us a specific schedule on how often we should partake in the practice of communion. But regardless of how often we do it as an organized body of believers on Sunday morning, we have the freedom to do this as often as we'd like on our own, with our family, with our life group, with our friend group. Don't neglect the practice of communion. You might even want to do some research on uh, how to incorporate it into your life so it doesn't seem like such a cold religious act because sometimes these things that we do on a regular basis can get to a place of just routine um, and lose the power. So um, I'm personally going to uh, do some research as soon as I finish writing this podcast, actually. Um, and if you decide to do it, if you decide to make this part of your regular routine, either with your family or your life group, share it with the rest of us so that we can get some ideas as well. Um, because again, practicing the Lord's Supper, practicing communion is an important part of the Christian faith and us following Jesus. Number four, uh, they devoted themselves to prayer. How important is prayer? Well, when Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is as far as I can recount and think about, uh, this is the only thing that we're told to never stop doing. Like Paul literally says, hey, don't stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Always pray. Why? Well, I think it's simply just because it forces us to continually rely on God 
and trust him over every anything else, everything else. Um, it, it just forces us to trust God. Uh, and this was definitely important for the early church because they faced literal persecution for their faith. If they were to continue in Christ, it meant in a very real way that it could cost them their lives. So trusting in God was and is definitely still for us a must. Um, like I said last week, when we pray, we're simply saying, you are God and I am not. I want your will, not my own. Prayer positions our heart in the most humble way and allows the Holy Spirit to change it. It really allows us to trust God more than we trust ourselves or our circumstances. Pray. Never stop praying. It's important. So, what did the church do? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. All the believers were devoted, they were disciplined, they were generous, and they trusted God. They trusted God. So let's do the same thing. Let's take the model that the early church gave us, and let's take the model that Jesus gave us, and let's do the same thing. I'm going to pray, but before I pray, let me say this. So don't don't pause or skip or anything like that. Don't stop this yet. Um, let me say this. This time of prayer that I give, um, t- just time of prayer, meditation, introspection, listening for the Holy Spirit, um, is probably very easy to skip over. I think our blah. I think our society has, to our detriment, programmed us to get knowledge and then move on. Um, so we likely have this tendency to just consume and then quit. Well, let me encourage you to not skip the time of prayer and introspection. Knowledge is only good if we take it to the Lord and say, "Here, God, just use this to change me by the power of Your Holy Spirit." Um, otherwise, we won't be changed. So take it to the Lord, ask Him to change you. With that, let's pray, and uh, we'll give you some time to, to hear from the Holy Spirit. Father Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for the things the early church and Jesus modeled for us. Um, thank you for the blessing of this wonderful resource called the Bible, your word. I pray that you would use it to mold us today through your Holy Spirit, and don't let us end this time unchanged by you. Change us, God. Change our hearts. Change our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to play some music. Take all this to the Lord and just open your heart to the Holy Spirit.
to close in prayer, but if you need more time, just rewind this or even just, you know, pause it, sit in silence and just continue to focus your attention on the Lord. Let's pray. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Lord, lead me, Lord, change me, grow me. Yes, do it all. Do it all, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.